are listening to the Calvary Church Podcast, where each episode features a life-transforming message that was previously recorded in one of our services. And now, let's join a service that's already in progress. The year was 1994. The school, Canton South High School in Canton, Ohio. No love for Canton South High School, but that's okay. There was a pep rally. I was a junior in high school, and the pep rally was being held in the high school gymnasium. There were around 500 to 600 people. It wasn't a large school or a large high school. But there was a guy's singing group called the Sound of South, or a singing group called the Sound of South. And on this particular pep rally, the guys in the group were going to sing before the pep rally began. Six guys were going to sing at this pep rally. And yes, I was one of those guys. Now, for those of you who attend Calvary Church, that makes no sense to you at all. And it didn't make any sense there either. We were set up in the corner of the gym. The song we were going to sing was In the Still of the Night by Boys to Men. Does anybody know In the Still of the Night? You've heard of that song No? Okay. Yes, you have. You're lying. Thank you, Kat, for being real honest with us today. I thought about singing it for you, but I thought twice. Yes, there was choreographed movements and swaying. And on this particular song, I had the lead vocal. We were crushing it. Girls were swooning. We made it through the heart of the song and hit the last section of the song and we're headed for the grand finale. And as the song was coming to an end, for dramatic effect, the song slowed. The background vocals, my background vocals, sang their last phrase in the still of the night. And then I'm going to finish it with the concluding phrase, in the still of the night. I began to sing that final phrase, in the still of the night. But I didn't want to just sing it simply. I wanted to finish it with flair. So I decided to flip the last note on the word, an octave higher, and sing it in falsetto. I'm not sure what happened. But what came out was not music. It was not musical. It may not even be able to be classified as a sound. What came out on that last note was a cross between a croaking frog and a quacking duck. I stood frozen for a moment, the students sitting in the bleachers just stared down in shock. The air left the room. I'm not sure how long it actually was before the obligatory round of applause began, but let's just say I wasn't in the room for it. I immediately turned around and hurried, hurriedly exited the gym through the double doors behind me, I went down the hall, out the back entrance doors as fast as I 
could. I was humiliated. Thank God there were no cell phones and YouTube back then. However, thank God for great educators. It would be my music teacher, Mrs. Miss Grove Miller. We called her Miss G. She would pick up the pieces. The weekend passed, and the following Monday, she acted like nothing happened. Did she actually hear what we all heard? But she knew something about life that I didn't really know yet. She knew that mistakes are a part of the learning process. Mistakes are not the end, but really the means. She not only knew something I didn't, but she believed in me. She encouraged me. She lifted me. She gave me more opportunities. She didn't give up on me. And because she believed in me, she continued to invest in me. She was a great educator because she would not let that be my last song. Today, I want to speak to you on the subject, great educators. What is the mark of a great educator? Let me offer three things I think makes a great educator. Certainly, there could be more added. But first, great educators know some things that their students don't know. Second, great educators believe in their students and don't give up on them. Thirdly, because they know some things their students don't know and they believe in their students, great educators are always willing to teach and invest in them. See, great educators don't measure their investment in students based on what their students can do today, but they measure their investment in students based on what they believe that they can be in the future. There are some great educators in the Bible. I won't go through the whole list, but one educator in the Bible is named Jochebed. She was the mother of Moses. Moses was supposed to be killed like all the rest of the firstborn males being born in Egypt at the time, but his mother hid him in a river and then by the providence of God was able to take care of Moses until he was a young boy around three or four years old. And while Moses would end up leaving his mother as a young boy and be schooled mostly by Egyptian teachers and educators, his mother's influence and in teaching was bedrock for him in just those few short years. So much so that the writer of Hebrews said, by faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasure in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. Just a few short years with a great teacher had a great impact on his life, and he would go on to lead a people, a great people, out of slavery and into freedom. You see, his mother knew something he didn't know. She knew about an almighty God who was greater than anything else, and so she wasn't afraid. She believed in what Moses could be, and so she invested in him and taught him. Another great educator in the Bible is an obscure character found in 2 Kings chapter 11. Her name is Jehoshaphat. She was the wife of a high priest, and she rescued a one-year-old child, her nephew, named Joash, from being killed by his own evil grandmother, Athaliah. 
The little boy, Joash's father, his father had been king of Judah but was killed and his grandmother took over the kingdom. And in order to ensure that she had absolute power, she started killing off the royal heirs. So Jehoshaphat rescued Joash at one years old and she became his educator. And how did she become a great educator? She knew something that he didn't know. She believed in this infant child and what he could be, and she taught the boy. The scripture tells us for six years, she invested in this young boy, knowing more, believing in him, and teaching. Repeat, knowing more, believing in him, teaching. Repeat, until remarkably, at seven years old, he would come to reign as king of Judah. Seven years old. Now that is believing in somebody. And when you consider your life, who has believed in you the most? Think about your life. There's probably someone who would, you would point to and say, they went out of their way. They went the extra mile to invest in you. For some of you, it's a parent. It's a grandparent. It's a teacher. It's a coach. But I think everyone should have someone who believes in them. And I would submit that that's the type of church the Calvary Church wants to be and I believe is striving to be every week. A church that loves and believes in people. Whether you're an infant, middle-aged, an adolescent, an older adult, no matter where you come from, no matter what your social or economic status is, and believe it or not, no matter what your political party you vote for is, no matter your race, your language, your culture that you identify with, the Calvary Church exists because we believe in you. Our beloved Bishop Norman Pasley II loved to talk about this, and he would use the life of the great Apostle Paul to illustrate this fact. He would use the phrase and say, you never know what's in the basket. You never know what's in the basket. This phrase comes from a story in Acts chapter 9 where a man by the name of Saul of Tarsus, later to be known as the Apostle Paul, at first glance he was pitiful, he was worthless. He, in relationship to Christians, he hated Christians and was violent towards them. However, through a remarkable conversion, he switched teams in the middle of the game, going from a Jewish zealot to a Christian rebel. It'd be like me going from the Cleveland Browns to the Cincinnati Bengals. That's probably not going to happen. So much so that his prior associates, Jewish leaders and teachers, became his assassins, and they were trying to kill him. So in the middle of a night, a clandestine operation unfolds, and in Acts chapter 9, nameless believers gathered for the sole purpose of getting this alleged new member of the Christian faith out of town alive. The plan, put him in a basket and lower him over the wall. We are not given the names of this crew. We don't know their particular plan or no indication of the fallout they would face afterwards. But this small group of Jesus followers simply knew Jesus could use his life. 
And they believed in this young, unproven, upstart Christian named Saul. So they invested in his life and lowered him down in this basket. Because you never know what's in the basket. What they didn't know, that this man would spend the next three years in the desert. His entire vast understanding of scripture and God would be redesigned, restructured, and realigned. They didn't know he would do a theological 180. So he had to reconcile what he had pursued with what he now understood to be that Jesus was God. That Jesus was not a blasphemer, but he was the mighty God in flesh. You never know what's in the basket. They didn't know that this guy they got out of town that night would be the greatest apologist for the revelation of Jesus Christ the world had ever known. He would dispute with Jews and Greeks and Athenians and Epicureans and Stoics and philosophers of Mars Hill and the governor of Governor Felix and King Festus and Agrippa, even Caesar himself, because you never know what's in the basket. They didn't know that going over that wall, there would be a myriad of miracles that touched every aspect of life. Paul would defeat demons. He would raise the dead. He would shake off serpents. He would escape shipwreck. He would even be executed by stoning, but he would come back to life. He would be beaten with rods and nearly torn in pieces by crazy mobs. But he survived to share the gospel with the most of the known world in that time because you never know what's in the basket. They didn't know that Paul would be led by a vision to lead missionary journeys, that he would be a one-man global outreach uh, uh, maniac. He would travel thousands of years. He would start over 20 churches, and he would bring the truth to a greater number of people than any other person. You never know what's in the basket. And at the end of those ropes... Descending to the ground in the most humble form of transportation in history, a basket. They would lower him and he would be the author of half over half the New Testament. Letters to churches all over the world, letters to pastors and leaders. He would write to us about the fruit of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit. He would write to us about What Kristen, Pastor Kristen, talked about Wednesday night in Growth University to the Thessalonians, he would write about the rapture of the church because you never know what's in the basket. Educators are like those nameless people with ropes letting down Paul in the basket, simply believing that a student's future can be greater than their present reality. And may I encourage our educators today Do not despise the day of small things. What you are doing now, how and who you are serving and teaching now is not the entire scope of your impact or effect because you never know what's in the basket. You never know who's sitting in the classroom. And let me encourage our church today, whatever ministry, however menial or behind the scenes it may seem, be faithful Do your best. Don't count it as being what we see or sense now, but you never know what's in the basket. When you look at the face of children, when you serve the lowest rung on the ladder, when your assignment seems less than all others, 
whether it's an exhausting task of serving adolescents or the challenge of a demographic that takes more than it gives. Stay focused, stay faithful, because you never know what's in the basket. If you're teaching a Bible study and it doesn't seem like it's going anywhere and it's not that big of a deal, I want to tell our church today, you never know what's in the basket. When you give, when our church gives tithe and offering and special gifts to missionaries. You may not see all of it. You may not understand all of it. And they may be in distant lands who don't know, and you never hear back from them, but I tell you, you never know what's in the basket. And let me encourage everyone here today and say, as Bishop Pasley II would say, to those that feel like you are a basket case, Don't give up. Do not limit your future based on your past. Do not confine God to the scope of your life experience. He is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or imagine. To those that are new to the journey of faith, wherever you are on that road, let me encourage you. It is not where you have to stay. God is not done with your story. If you are only, if you only, I should say, knew the people here today, their stories, you might not be here today. If you knew the people sitting in this parking lot, addicts, abusers, cheaters, liars, thieves, rather I would say former addicts, former abusers, former cheaters, former liars, former thieves. But they have been and are being changed and set free by the power of God and their willingness to obey the word of God. You see, this church is full of basket cases that were carried over the wall by great people who knew something about God, who believed in them and who invested in time into seeing them know Jesus Christ in a greater way. And God does what he does. And he has made these basket cases a new creature in Christ. As I conclude, how is this possible? Because simply put, Jesus is the greatest educator. Because Jesus knows something you and I don't. He knows that eternal life is possible. He knows that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And God not only knows that, but he believes in us. Romans 5, 8 says, but God demonstrates his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He believes in you and I, no matter where we come from. Not only does he know things that we don't know and believes in us, he invested in us and went to the cross for our sin and our shame and for our eternal life. And he gave us his word to teach us how we can be with him through eternity. And his word declares and teaches 
that we are buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we would walk in newness of life. So will you let Jesus Christ be the great educator in your life? Will you be a student? Will you be his student? Will you be what the Bible calls us to be? And that's a term called disciples. It literally means student or pupil. Maybe you're feeling the nudge of the Lord today. Maybe you have this desire to be closer to him. Maybe you want to follow him completely today. Maybe there's some things in your life you wish you could change. Maybe you feel like a basket case today. But I want to tell you today, your greatest hope you have is when you surrender your heart in your life to Jesus Christ. Would you stand with me today? God's word teaches us to put our complete trust in Jesus Christ. And it's realized when you and I repent or we turn from our sinful nature that's in all of us. We put our faith in Jesus Christ and the scripture tells us that we should be baptized. Baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And he promised that he would fill us with his spirit. That spirit of God that is given to us to teach us and guide us in this life because he's a great teacher. In Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Peter summed up this to a group of people who wanted to know how to obtain eternal life. And Peter said to them, repent. And let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission or forgiveness of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And he said, for the promise is to you. It's to your children and to all who are far off. There's no one exempted from the love of God. For the promise is to you, to your children, and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God calls. And so today, I'm thankful for our educators that are in this room because you exemplify, you exemplify that idea that you do know some things. You do know more things than your students know, but that's not what makes you a great educator. What makes you a great educator is you believe in those students. And then finally, you not only believe in them, but it causes you to invest and teach them in their life. And that's what Christ is doing here with us today. He knows a little bit more. So we acknowledge that today. He believes in us. No matter where we come from, no matter what mistakes we've made, he believes in your future. And he invested his life on a cross and he gave us his word 
so that we would have the opportunity to be with him in eternity. So I want to pray for you today. I want to pray that God blesses your life in a profound way and you would surrender all of your life to him. I want you to pray with me today. Lord, we thank you, God, for this great gathering today. I thank you for, first of all, our educators, Lord, who we're celebrating today. I thank you for the example that is represented in them of love and kindness and help, Lord, that all of us have been impacted by educators in our life. Lord, and I'm praying today that the Calvary Church would continue to be a light in this community, that we would help people. We would help those who maybe, God, are looking for a way of escape. Maybe they're looking for escape from addiction and struggle and bondage in their life. But Lord, there is hope through your word. I pray we would be like those who lowered the ropes down, Lord, and we would help people around us. I pray for those who maybe feel, God, they're a basket case. They're struggling. They feel fear in their life and trouble all around them. I pray there would be something happens today that they would surrender to you. They would acknowledge their need of you. They would put their faith in you in this moment. Maybe someone today, Lord, would acknowledge their need to be baptized. They would, Lord, confess their sins, Lord. And I pray someone, God, would know the power of your spirit, the wonder of your spirit that so many of us have received and been a part of, Lord. I pray, God, your spirit would fall among us in a profound way. Bless today, strengthen today. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.